Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, we have had an incredible couple of months as a church. The sermons that God, the, the messages that God has been giving us, uh, they've been life-changing. And I'm not necessarily saying they've been life-changing for you, because there were honestly some weeks when we went around the home group circle and nobody could remember what was preached on Sunday. Wasn't that, wasn't that memorable, I guess. But I'm saying they were life-changing for me. They're absolutely life-changing for me. Different and Your Kingdom Come, both series we've done lately, absolutely life-changing. Different for me was about God proving himself through me. That I was capable, I am capable of so much more, exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask for or imagine because of him, not because of anything that I've done, but because of him through me. He was helping me see that I can do what he's called me to do. Even when I doubt myself, he is with me. Not just rooting for me in heaven far away, but with me, helping me get the job done. And your kingdom come was about remembering all of that and all the stuff that he's doing in me and through me isn't about me at all. It's about compassion for other people seeing people the way that Jesus saw them. And if I can boil two months worth of teaching and and so many smaller words down into just two things, it's those two. I am capable of so much more with God. And that so much more is not about me. I would encourage you, take time to reflect back sometimes. Take time, but pick a takeaway from a series. Pick a takeaway from each and every We pick one thing that you're going to remember from this sermon today going forward. Sometimes that means taking notes, right? Going home and sitting down with them and praying through them and really thinking, God, what's my one big takeaway today? What's what's the one thing that I need to change my life based on what I heard today? What's the one thing I need to remember going forward? And if there's 100 people in this room today, there may be 100 different takeaways, and that's okay probably will be, in fact. Sometimes it requires sitting down with somebody else, too, and talking that through. You know, I might flatter myself here, but there may even also be times when you say, you know, there's just too many things I need to I need to take away to boil it down to just one. And that's okay, too, but a month from now, two months from now, a year from now, will you remember all the things or just one thing? And I just want to encourage you, as a practice, choose a takeaway. I've come into the practice lately of when people say, oh, that was a good sermon, pastor type of thing. I'm like, really? What was your takeaway? What was your takeaway? Because I don't just want it to be good and make you feel emotional and make you feel some kind of way. I want you to take something away, something you're going to change, something you're going to choose to see differently, a deep revelation, an about face, or just a, a slight correction, of course, something, one thing, one thing. Today, we're starting a brand new series, but this one isn't going to be long. It's just two weeks. In fact, I'm sort of seeing it as one sermon, but in two parts, and then we're going to start a Christmas series that I'm really excited about, sort of shaping up to be unlike any Christmas series I've ever done before. But I said all that about the past two series because God has always done for us, for this, for us as a church. He has strung things together, concepts together together. And he sort of leads us on a journey. He leads us through these concepts, and it culminates in something. 
and if you, you take a step back and you sort of see the bigger pictures of each of them, it, it might feel like we're digging separate holes sometimes, but if you step back and see that bigger picture, you see we've been digging in the same direction. This series is the culmination of different and your kingdom come because once we know that God can do amazing things through us with his Holy Spirit and we know that Jesus sees people with compassion, we should too. Right? What do we do with that? There must be something I can do, God. Right? You've empowered me with your Holy Spirit to go into all the world and preach the good news. You, you've helped me to see people with compassion. So now what do I do? What, what can I do? So many of us Christians feel like there is nothing we can offer God. Nothing we can offer God. I don't know enough. I don't have the right skills, I haven't been a Christian for long enough, or, or I need to be a theologian or a Bible scholar in order to do something big for God. And we feel like the sky has to open up and a light has to come down and blind us from heaven to, to be called according to his purposes. Or we feel like it'll be someday, far away, but not yet. Why do we feel unqualified, unworthy, unusable by God? Three weeks ago, in our men's and women's groups on First Wednesday, we listened to a message uh, that Greta Land has actually prepared for us from Priscilla Shiver. Anybody know Priscilla Shiver? She's amazing. It was a very powerful sermon. The whole message was great. Uh, powerful. I actually have it linked in the sermon notes. I highly encourage you to go and watch it. But there was a line that hit me at the time. One thing that she said. This was my big takeaway. And it wasn't even the main point of her message, but... I haven't been able to stop thinking about it ever since. Let me just set it up for you. She was saying that sometimes we find ourselves in deserts like Moses found himself. Now, if you don't know Moses' story, Moses did a lot of great things in life. You have to read the entire books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers to get his whole story. We have a lot of information about what Moses did. He lived a long life, 120 years, in fact. And he did a lot. He accomplished a lot. Before he accomplished anything, we can see his story in Exodus 3. Moses was hiding out in the wilderness. For 40 long years, he was hiding in the wilderness. He had grown up at the table of the king of Egypt. Right? He, he, he trained and educated as a prince from very little, but, but the best the world had to offer. He, he had all of it. The best education, the best of everything. But here he is in the fields, in the wilderness, hiding. As a result of his own actions, he had to flee from Egypt as a criminal. His own actions landed him there. His own impulsiveness, his own anger, his own sense of betrayal, his own insecurity, his own fear landed him in this wilderness. And those are Moses' issues, his wounds, his pain. We all have them. We live in a fallen world, after all. But out of those issues and wounds, the enemy begins to weave a lie. And he begins to lie to you, he began to lie to Moses about his identity, a lie that went straight to his core. And from that lie, a false belief system was born out there in that wilderness. For 40 long years, a belief system was built that said, I'm not good enough. 
You know, my mother, my true Israelite mother, she raised me for more. She saved me for more. She put me as a baby in a basket to be saved for more. She believed I was the savior of Israel, but she must have been wrong. I failed. I wasn't good enough. I will never be good enough. And this was a, a lie that said, of course you messed up like that. You were never meant to be there anyway. That's not who you are. You're not a prince. Who do you think you are? Of course you messed up because you are messed up. Does that sound familiar to anyone else? Right from there, Moses began to build a stronghold around himself. He began to protect himself, and he began to vow things to himself. I will never try to speak in public. I get, I get too tongue-tied. I couldn't lead Israel out of slavery even if I had tried. It's not my calling. I'm not a leader. I'm not good for anything, but these sheep, he was a shepherd out in the fields, right? I'll just do this. I'll shepherd sheep. I'll waste my potential out here while no one will find me. Waste all that baby in a basket stuff, all the preparation my family and God had put into preparing me to lead Israel. It's just not me. I'll never go back. Now, we, having the benefit of hindsight, we know that Moses did indeed Israel lead Israel out of slavery, and for many, many years after that, he led them well. But he spent 40 years in that desert. 40 years. I don't even know if we can fathom. <laughs> That's a long time to feel like you messed up. You're on the run, like you're not worthy of the calling that have been placed on your life. And, and he let those wounds turn into lies, and, and the lies hurt. So he began to build strongholds around himself for, for protection. And then he began to vow things to himself about never going back, never leading again, never thinking he had anything to offer the world, much less his people. We do the same things. From our wounds in life, we begin to believe the lie. We begin to build false beliefs around ourselves. We begin to put up these walls, these strongholds around ourselves to keep ourselves safe because we can't trust anyone else to do that. Certainly not God. We failed God, right? And then we vow things to ourselves. And we have this false belief, this false view of ourselves because of it. And we find ourselves out in that desert, wasting our potential, out there in the desert, not fully understanding who we are because we've lied to ourselves for so long. We're alone. We're isolated. We're doing the bare minimum out there in the desert. But I've got good news for you, Moses. Bushes burn in deserts like that. And that was actually the line from Priscilla Shirer. I, it took a while to get there. But that was the line. Bushes burn in deserts like that. God, creator of the universe, showed up for men like Moses, even men like Moses. People on the run from their own consequences. People trying desperately to hide. People shrouded in guilt and shame. People who have been wounded and lied to so much that they started to believe the lie. People behind so many walls that they can't see the light anymore. And maybe you are sitting smack dab in the middle of consequences of your own actions, but I've got good news for you, Moses. Bushes burn in deserts like that. Bushes burn in deserts like that. Bushes burn to remind you who you are and to call you to more. So if you're in a season where you're feeling unfindable, unworthy, unusable, unqualified, I'm here to tell you look for the burning bush. 
because bushes burn in deserts like that. You are not so far gone that God can't find you. You are not so sinful that Jesus can't redeem you. You are not so unwanted, unskilled, unremarkable that God doesn't want you on his team. He has called you. He has gifted you. He has prepared you. And I can almost guarantee you that somewhere in your life right now, a bush is burning for you. And I can guarantee that because this world is needy. It's needy. It needs you. It needs you to feed someone. It needs you to to parent someone. It needs you to friend someone. It needs you to, to lead a group of people. It needs you to free someone, to heal someone, to listen to someone. Needs you to be a shoulder, to cry on for someone, to, to shelter someone, to protect someone. This world is needy. It needs you. We need you. We need you to stop feeling sorry for yourself out there in the wilderness. And we need you to get right with God and allow him to call and equip you. And I'm not necessarily talking about the big callings here, like the, the you know, move to Africa and preach the gospel from a hut type of callings. Although... He does do that. He might be calling someone in here to that. But a lot of times, I think we make this whole calling business, this finding your purpose in life business, way too difficult. Like Aaron Holt said last week, we all have global callings, right? The word has called each and every one of us to bring glory to God. You are called to be a disciple of Jesus. You are called to make disciples of Jesus, right? You're called to love each other, to serve each other, to gather together and build the church. Those are callings for each and every one of us. You don't get out of those. You don't get a pass on those. They're for all of us. But then there are specifics for us, too. You're married, for example. You're called to be a great husband or wife. I performed a wedding yesterday, and I was able to tell them, look, you have to live a life worthy of this calling. This is a calling. It doesn't call to everyone. It's a privilege, right? Live a life worthy of it. If, if you're a friend, you're called to be a good friend. Serve well. Give generously. If you're a parent, you're called to be a mother or father that doesn't just raise good kids, but trains good kids. You know, the word says train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Train up a child. Not just raise them, train them. Equip them. On this note, actually, I recently heard a speaker say that their church doesn't have a youth pastor. And so she said, I pastor and disciple my kids. She was actually going through like a whole discipleship program with her kids. It it sounded a lot like a curriculum. And I just thought, you know what? We have a youth pastor. He's amazing. He's doing a great job. We have a kids pastor. She's amazing, doing a great job. Yeah, and we're blessed, right? We're blessed to have that. Not all churches have that. Thank God for that. But you know what? And my kids are in church like five days a week. You know what I mean? They're the ones running around shoeless out in the lobby because this is where they live, (laughs) basically. But I'll be darned if I'm not going to start a discipleship program with my kids after hearing that. Like tomorrow. I'm not leaving it up to someone else to pastor my kids. Although, again, I've hired this one and Jody. I believe in them. I train them myself, right? But it's not just their job. I don't outsource pastoring my kids to them. They're auxiliary to me. It's my job. I'm called to disciple my kids. I'm called to train them as followers of Jesus. I'm going to teach them. 
And if I have to learn some stuff to be able to teach them some stuff, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not letting them go through life having to come up with their own opinions about things, letting the world tell them that their truth is the truth and they can make up their own identity, whatever their silly, selfish, nonsensical self wants to tell them that they can be. It's not what they are. No, my kids are created in the image of God. My kids are children of the king. My kids are wanted by heaven, called by God Almighty, equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit and saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And they're going to know it. (laughs) They need to know who they are. The world isn't going to tell them that. They, They can't find that within themselves. Have we ever found much good within ourselves? Left to our own devices, left alone when nobody's watching without any external uh, manipulation or pressure, do we really, are we really that good? We're not, they're not going to find it within themselves. Their friends aren't going to tell them who they are. Netflix and YouTube and Roblox aren't going to tell them who they are. Anybody else have kids obsessed with Roblox? They find out who they are by knowing who their creator is and what he says about them. Do I want them knowing the Bible stories too? Absolutely. But they're not just stories. I want them to know how they apply to their lives. And I'm going to be the the pastor of that. I'm going to teach them how to apply things to their life. I'm going to teach them who they are in Christ. I'm going to teach them the bigger picture, that that the gospel can be seen on every page of the Bible. The enemy doesn't want them to know who they are. In fact, he'll do everything in his power to keep them from knowing who they are. I'll do the same for you. He doesn't want you knowing who you are because if you know that you're a curse breaker, you will break generational curses in your family, right? If you know who you are, you will inspire a generation of believers like Moses did. If you know who you are, you'll be able to win spiritual battles for your nation like Moses did. The gospel is written on every page of the Bible, but it's also in every hand stroke of creation. I want them to be able to look at the sky and say, wow, look at that moon, and know that God put it there for them, that he knows the name of every star in the sky, and it was hung there for them. That's what Genesis tells us. They're going to know that. He's in everything. He holds the universe. Oh, goodness, I've had a new fear lately. I have to confess this to you all, speaking of him holding the universe, the fact that we are on a ball of rock floating around the universe, and that just happens to be the exact distance from the sun, that I am never too cold or too hot that I can't live. Is this, anybody else had like an existential crisis about, no, I'm just me, okay. It's like every time I get out of my car lately and it's cold, like because the, the season is changing, I have this like, oh God, please keep us in orbit today, thought. Am I really the only one? I told Aaron about this, and he was like, don't tell anybody that. Why would you? (laughs) But the thing is, God keeps us in orbit. It is not happenstance. That is just another evidence of what he's doing for us, that he holds the universe in his hand, right? That he keeps us safe. We are held in safety. We are kept in safety, the word says. The evidence is all around us. And when my daughter goes through science in class and she learns about the stars in the sky and the planets, I'm going to tell her that God keeps the orbit from getting off. Like, I even think, like, just one degree off. No, nobody's tracking with me. It's okay. Look, you don't have to look very far to see the problems in this world. 
But you don't have to look very far for the evidence of our creator either. If we could just look around us for a second, just a second, take a deep breath on your back porch tonight and just look at the sky. Acknowledge who God is, that he is so much bigger than we give him credit for, so much bigger than our little circumstances. And if we could just look around us for a second, I believe we can also see a bush burning for us. You don't have to look very far to see the problems in this world, but you are called to be a solution. You can look around this church for five seconds and you'll see something that needs to be improved. Right? And the, the fact that you're seeing it may mean that you have the unique ability to fix it. Just like Aaron Holt said last week, right? Unique agitations. Look around your home for five seconds. You'll see a need. Look deeply into the eyes of people. Like, I don't mean the dishes in the sink and the, you know, mothballs in the closet. I mean, look into the eyes of people closest to you. Look at your coworkers at work. Really look at them. Ask them how they are. And then listen. Just, hey, how are you? Moving on with my day. Really, listen. You'll see the need. You will see the bush burning in your life. You'll see God calling you to help, to be the solution. When Aaron and I chaperoned kids camp this year, we kept saying, you know, we can see the needs of children so clearly. Like, some of them just needed eyes on them. It was, Miss Candace, watch me, watch me, watch me, right? They just needed eyes. Some of them needed a, a pat on the back and encouragement. Some of them needed a hand to hold, a presence there. Some of them needed a father figure in their life. They wanted Aaron's attention specifically and his praises. And we just knew that after that week, we came home and we were like, I think it's time to sign up for foster care. Like that was our particular calling at that moment because of kids who have parents at home and they're being sent to camp and they know about Jesus and they have three square meals a day and all the things that they need like that. How much more do kids in the foster system need that? We just knew we were being called to do it because we could see the need so clearly. If you can see the need, you may just be uniquely gifted to fill that need. You know, I believe Moses was out there physically out there in the wilderness, but I believe his heart was still back in Egypt. I believe he probably thought every day about his people suffering in slavery back in Egypt. I I believe he thought about his sister and mother who raised him, his adopted mother and grandfather in that palace and the disparity between those two realities. I bet he had a fondness for all of them and wondered what it all might mean. The fact that he was the only male baby of his generation to really be saved. I mean, there were others, but Pharaoh wanted them all gone. He was saved. The fact that the princess found him in a basket by the river. What might have happened if she didn't? How he was raised. He was protected. He was educated. But also knowing he didn't quite belong there. He was probably reminded often that he didn't belong there. And here's the thing. Moses was given the perfect set of circumstances to ultimately do what he did for Israel. He was prepared for that leadership, that lifestyle, that calling. And whatever you're going through now, even when it seems like you're out in the middle of 40 years of wilderness and you've wasted your life, whatever you're going through now is probably preparing you for your callings too. And I do say callings, plural, Callings, because I think we're called to many things, not just one big thing, right? Whatever you're in the midst of right now, 
Some of us are grieving. We've had a tough couple of years. Some of us are, are angry. We're, we're dealing with sickness or we're dealing with despair, depression, anxiety, fear, whatever it is. God can use it in your life. Romans 8.28 says anything, right? Anything he can use for your good if you love the Lord and call it according to his purposes. He can use it. And if you've conquered that thing in particular, then you're uniquely anointed to help with it. Greg Waldy, who usually sits right down here, he, he, we showed his story a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember his crazy healing story from bone cancer all throughout his body? He only had a few months to live, and years later, he's still sitting here with us, worshiping his heart out every Sunday morning. I believe Greg Waldy, because he was uniquely healed, he is qualified and extra anointed to pray over people for healing. He's lived through it. Of course he's going to have faith because he's still standing here today. He's got an extra dose of faith and anointing to pray over other people for healing. I've talked a lot today about how Moses felt, how I think Moses felt. But I want you to know that it's not all just guesswork. And again, you have to read the entire books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers to get his whole story. So I'm kind of summing, summing some things up. There we go. But I want you to know it's not all just guesswork. We can see some of his insecurities come out in his conversation between him and God at the burning bush in Exodus 3 and 4, after God tells Moses what he's calling Moses to do. So like in Exodus 3.11, I don't have this one on the screen, but it says, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? He couldn't see at the time that he was the most qualified to go and speak to Pharaoh because he spoke his language. He grew up in his house, right? But Exodus 4 is where I actually want to read you most of this conversation at the bush, starting in verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? It's just, you can hear him, just his spirit. He's racked with insecurities and questions. Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? The shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will not be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after those two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, The water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. Listen, the Lord will often prove himself to you personally and privately before proving himself publicly through you. If you don't give him the chance to do that, if you don't walk toward the burning bush, if you don't have this conversation with God, even when you're insecure and scared and questioning him, if you don't have that conversation with him, you'll never experience the public miracles either. He will often 
prove himself to you personally and privately before proving himself publicly through you. Verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I I never have been and I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Do you guys remember the sermon from last year? Who makes mouths, Moses? No? It's linked in the sermon notes too. Go back and listen. Who makes a person's mouth? Literally, Moses is like, my mouth doesn't work right. And God's like, I, I, I kind, of, I'm kind of make those. Like, I can, I can help with that. I make them, right? Who makes mouths, Moses? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Listen, the Lord will equip you for what he has called you to. He will equip you. For what he has called you to. Moses had all the excuses. But I I can't speak in front of people. That's not, I get tongue-tied. I can't get the words out. God's saying, I'm going to handle that. I I happen to know the guy who makes the mouths. It's me. Hello, right? I can help you with that. The Lord will equip you for what he's called you to. Verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. I love that even in the Lord's anger, he, he answers this. Listen. All right, he said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. God was already working ahead of him, too. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be, bo- I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece. And you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you. Use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. So number one, the Lord will often prove himself to you personally and privately before proving himself through you publicly. A lot of us want the stage, the big flashy gifts, right? We want the public miracles. But if we don't put the time in to have conversations like this with God, it's never going to happen. God often proves himself to you first, and then asks you to go out publicly. Number two, the Lord will equip you for what he has called you to. A lot of us feel, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I feel like I'm called to something, but I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to do what I'm actually called to do. Ask God. He wants to equip you. He wants to give you the tools that you need to get the job done. And number three, the Lord will send helpers if you ask him to. If you ask him to, Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his harvest field. We have to ask for help. I think probably when we don't ask, we would turn away help even if it came. Right? The Lord will send helpers if we ask him to. But all of these things are contingent upon you responding to the burning bush first. Look, all of us, no matter how desolate the desert We have a burning bush somewhere in our lives. God wants to speak to you. He wants to know you. He wants to call you into purpose. But you have to walk toward that bush. When Moses, at the beginning of this story, when Moses first approaches the bush, he didn't know if it was God or not. He just saw a burning bush and thought, that's weird. I'm going to go check it out, right? This is what the word says. He goes over curiously to check it out. And often we sit back and wonder, well, you know, I'm kind of interested 
and serving on the kids' ministry team. But I don't, I don't know yet. I haven't heard from God on that. So I'm just going to sit back and do nothing while I wait for God to tell me the right plan. God has already called you to be a servant. So doing nothing in the waiting time is already being disobedient. Do you follow that? Sometimes you, you have to go and try some stuff. You have to follow that curiosity. If God put a curiosity in you, maybe that's your burning bush. Maybe you approach it. Ask some questions of it, right? Figure it out. Maybe you are called to be a kid's pastor like Jesus. And I don't mean go and get Bible trained and work 40 hours for a church. I mean you take some time to study a passage, give two hours to, to kids' ministry on Sunday, and you love those kids. You learn names. You give some high fives. You play a fun game, and you teach them about Jesus. Maybe that's what you're called to. Now, I, I know so many people who have found purpose and calling back there in those rooms. I was kids pastor for six years, and I saw so many people find their passion, find their niche within the church, surrounded by pool noodle horses and chickens and balloons, you know? You never really know. As a kids pastor, sometimes I was doing that for six years, I would sometimes come to the Walmart checkout counter and be like, I'm like I apologize for this weird assortment of things. You never know. The job is wild, okay? But there is purpose and calling even in that, the work that they do is so important. Same with youth ministry, same with cafe ministry, same with ushering and greeters and our safety team. I could literally give you reasons why all of them are the most important ministry in the church. I truly believe they are. We need them all. Kids ministry is important because we see so many kids fall away from their faith at junior high and at the end of senior high before college. We can get their hearts when they're young, right? Kids have this childlike faith. You don't have to teach that. You just teach them the stories, and they have it. It's a beautiful, amazing thing. We can capture their hearts when they're young. We can teach them. Kids often have a better relationship with Jesus than we do as adults because they just have faith. They just get it, right? It's the most important ministry in the church. But I could, tell, I could say the same thing about even the cafe, Right? Cafe ministry is the most important ministry in the church because it, it serves people. That mom that comes in rushed on a Sunday morning, hasn't fed the kids, barely got them here dressed. Right? She can run in the cafe, grab some yogurt, and get back to class. Right? It serves our people. We keep our prices low so that it's because it's not about making money. It's about serving the church. I don't know about you, but coffee is pretty important to me on a Sunday morning. It's important, Right? I didn't hear any amens on that. I was really expecting. There you go. Really expecting one of those. I could, I could come up with a way that every single ministry is the most, and I really believe they are all important. Ushering is important because it keeps all of our focus on the stage. They are in the back organizing things and to counting numbers and getting me all of the, the data that I need to run this church well. But they do it so that if they do their job well, you don't notice them because we're all focused up here. Everything's organized back there. We can focus on the main thing, right? Same with the media team. If you notice their presence, somebody might have messed up back there, right? If they do it well, we don't notice them. Everything happens flawlessly on the screens. You're following along. You're reading the scripture right along with me. Everybody at home is tuned in and watching, right? so important because we get our message out beyond these walls. You get to listen to the podcast during the week and watch the YouTube video and all of that. The message goes beyond just here and now. It's so important. 
A clean building is so important. The greeters are so important. Do you know that most people make a decision about whether or not they're going to belong to a church in the first five minutes? Not that they're in the doors. Not that my preaching is happening. But that the first five minutes that they pull in the parking lot. Parking lot time counts. Having a smile at the door to greet them, feel welcomed. It matters. It's all so important. They're all important. We all need to use our gifts and talents in the various ways that those present themselves to do something. God has purpose for you. Many purposes for you. He has called you. And if you can just respond today, he will also equip you and send helpers for you. But when you respond to that call, just be ready. Get ready. Get ready. Through your purpose, God will stir up your soul. It it will mess with you. So you're not just satisfied anymore with being a Christian in name only and just coming to church, you know, a verse a day to keep the devil away. Priscilla Shriver also said in that message. Now you want to know God. You want to see God. You want to experience God. And let me tell you something. Once you start experiencing God, you are ruined for church as usual. You want more. You're passionate. You're hungry. You know, I wonder if Moses looked back later in life to the burning bush. I wonder if he looked back on all that God had done through him. And he thought, I'm so glad I didn't let fear win. I wonder if he thought about all the things that he would have missed out on if he had let fear win. Moses got to meet with God multiple times up on Mount Sinai to the point where his face shone. Do you remember this story? He got to build the tabernacle. He got to meet in God's presence every single day. He got to lead a nation of people to be in God's presence. He would have missed out on all of that if he had let fear win. If he had let all of the the reasons that he was unqualified matter. It's probably a little vulnerable for him to go out in that wilderness and investigate the burning bush. He probably felt a little fear out there in the wilderness, exposed to predators or maybe wondering if there were some bandits lurking and this was all a trap so they could pounce on him or something. And I know we feel the same fear when approaching something that God has called us to. I know because I felt it so many times. Like God constantly pushes me. The moment that I think I found my lifelong calling, I thought I could I was gonna be a kids pastor forever. I loved it. I was good at it, y'all. Can I just say I loved that job. I love those kids still. Sometimes I long to be back with them still because the high fives are so much fun. But God pushes me, stretches me. Literally the moment when I think I've found it. God shows me that there's more, more stretching to do, more growing to do, more people to speak to, more times I'll have to speak, more he has in store for me. Because God is a productive God. And like we learned last week, he prunes branches that don't produce much fruit to give you more fruit. God calls us to purpose in deserts like these. As the band comes, we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. We're going to continue this idea. This is just part one of what God has for us in this little mini-series before Christmas. But today, if you have felt broken lately, if you felt lost lately, if you felt hopeless lately, I'm here to tell you that you can never be lost from God. He sees you. 
knows you. He wants you. You are being recruited to his team. You're picked first in the dodgeball game. He is putting you in the game because it's in deserts like those, the hopeless deserts, the the scary deserts. It's in deserts like those that we're called. In deserts like those that God puts that holy agitation deep down in your soul. In deserts like those that God shows you your specific purpose and calling in life. You're never too far gone that God cannot reach you. The burning bush is a clear example of that, but it's not the only example of that. Jesus is the ultimate burning bush in the word. Jesus came to walk this earth, to die on a cross and be raised three days later, to be a burning bush for you, to find you in your wilderness season and to call you back into more. He came to bring hope to the hopeless, to give freedom for your bondage, to give you protection from your enemies to bring healing to your soul. Jesus is calling out to you today. Father, I know that today there's a burning bush for every single person hearing this message. There's a burning bush somewhere in our lives. God has been trying to reach us for a while now. There's a a situation in our lives that we know we could help with. There's Uh, situation you know that you're not doing the right thing God's calling you to be above it to choose better for yourself and your family it's a burning bush for every single person God with heads bowed and eyes closed we just want to say that we're listening that we're listening we want to have those conversations with you even when they're full of our doubts, our questions, our fears, our anger. We know that you're not afraid of those. That your callings come without repentance. That you will equip us. You will move us in the right direction. And as we begin to move toward you, I just pray that you would speak. That you would call us out of hopelessness. Out of obscurity out of our our pity parties, out of our defensive walls that we put up, out of our fear. Call us back into purpose and calling. Right now, I want to speak to those walls just prophetically in Jesus' name. Speak to those walls, and I say you will crumble. But those strongholds that we place around ourselves that have been around our family maybe for generations, I just speak to them in Jesus' name. You have no place in the believer's life come down, break in Jesus' name. We proclaim freedom in this house today. Freedom. Jesus, free every captive, every person feeling trapped by their own fear, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, anxiety. We break off depression in Jesus' name. We speak healing over every sickness and disease, every brokenness in Jesus' name. Call forth healing, freedom, peace, and hope. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment just to give everybody space in the room to have those conversations. In a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to have another opportunity just to have a quiet moment. Close your eyes and just focus in on what God is saying to you. But before we do that, I just want to give you an opportunity.
If today you're saying, I, I've been far from Jesus for a while now, maybe my whole life I've been wandering in what feels like a wilderness, I've been depressed, I've been broken, I've been angry, I've been unforgiving, bitter, I feel like I'm wandering, I'm making bad decisions, I'm, I'm lost, I'm lost, lost in a wilderness, and sometimes it's even a wilderness of my own making. But today you want to be found. Today you want to respond to the burning bush in your life. The fact that you are here today means you already made a move towards God. You found a place of hope, of healing and restoration. Jesus has that for you today. He came 2,000 years ago to walk on this earth as fully human and fully God to put himself on that cross, to die for you in your place so that you could claim freedom. That's what he did on that cross. He made it free. He already paid the price for all of your mistakes, all of the selfishness, all of the sin. And all we have to do today is call on his name to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on that cross for me. I claim your forgiveness in my life. I thank you for your forgiveness in my life. And I choose today to live your way. If that's you today, if you'd like to pray that prayer, you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, we call it saying, I'm in around here. I'm into following Jesus. I'm into this new life, being a new creation in Christ. If that's you and you're in the room, would you just raise your hand? I'm in. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life him, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. If you're watching online or if you're in the room, you can text the number on the screen as well. We would love to help you with that decision, give you some tools you can use to learn more about it. Anybody else before we move on? I just feel this hesitation. Just raise your hand up high. I want to give my life to Jesus. I believe in him. I'm in. Father, for the rest of us, I believe that you have gifted each and every one of us with unique gifts, callings, and talents that each of us can be used by God in everyday life, whether it's to the people closest to us, or it's our coworkers at work, or it's people we don't know at the grocery store at all. Maybe it's somebody we're reaching out to uh, via text or, or online saying, hey, how you doing? I've been praying for you. That God can use us each and every day. God, help us be people that get up in the morning and say, God, where's the burning bush today? What can I do today? What are you calling me to today? Even on days when I've messed up and I don't feel worthy and I don't feel qualified. God, you're calling us to more. Help us respond to that calling because bushes burn in deserts like Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. you to take a moment before you go out the doors and 
go on with your busy day, your busy week. Just take a moment and have a conversation with God, an honest conversation. Moses' conversation with God had, was full of fears. It, it had all kinds of anxieties. But those are okay. Now, God wants to still be in that conversation with you. He's not afraid of your anger, not afraid of your fear. He can answer all those questions, but respond to them today. Enter into that conversation today. Just, just encourage you to close your eyes, focus in. If you have to find a quiet corner of the room or, or up here around the altar, the prayer team is going to be available as well to pray with you. Maybe you need to confess something to somebody else to get free from it. Maybe you just need prayer. You want to partner with somebody else in prayer. During this song, the prayer team is going to be available. But find your own spot if you need to. Have an honest conversation with God. Let's do that now. Yeah. 
Reach out and put your hand in his and know that he is going to guide you and lead you to where you need to be. Trust him, for he is trustworthy. Thank you, Lord. We trust in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is good, isn't he? Thank you, Pastor Candace, for a good message. God has called us to serve. What he's put on your heart, move. Don't wait. Move now. 
move on it right away. Because the longer it sits, it stirs in your way, the easier it is to just sort of let it slide. God has called us to be a passionate, vibrant, selfless church. And this is one of the ways that we can do that, to serve a fellow man, serve here, give of ourselves. If you feel like you're a visitor only, you've been here for a while, serve somewhere. All of a sudden it becomes my church. You get to know people. You get relationships built. And you're plugged in. Thank you so much for being here. We love you. Hope to see you next week. Let's pray as we dismiss and let God work in us this week to be his kingdom builders. Father God, we give you thanks that you love us so much. You've called us to be your children. You've equipped us. You don't call us and then let us go out there and figure it out ourselves. You equip us to do the work of ministry, to love you, to be all you have called us to be. Go with us this week now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. The band, bless you guys. Prayer team is still here. Come up if you need prayer. See you next week and bring a friend.